Hello, and welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Benny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to episode 35 of Elder Health Connection. I am your host, Caroline Morris. And today we continue our series on what is aging with part four, and we will be going over both the cardiovascular and the pulmonary systems today. So our heart, our blood vessels, and our lungs will be our topic today. This is a topic that I love. I love that everything is so interconnected and system-based, but it can be a little bit challenging to describe without visuals. So I will do my best to paint you a picture in words and then also point you to some visual resources if you want to look back later. Before we get into these systems, I want to remind you, as with all of our topics on aging, Um, What I am presenting in this series, it is what is commonly observed with aging. It doesn't mean it is optimal aging. It doesn't mean it will happen to everybody in the same way. It's just what the average of our current population is looking like right now and how some of these age-related conditions can develop. If you happen to be a therapy provider listening and you would like to get some continuing education credits from the series, I recently did a course with a colleague from Therapy Insights called Modern Aging, Physiological Processes and Societal Responses. And I will link to that course. It's just one hour, but it's action-packed with a lot of what we're talking about. And it is approved for continuing education credits for physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech language pathologists. All right. So let's talk about the cardiovascular system. So we will first start with some changes to our blood vessels as we age. So in our arteries, we have an increase in collagen, which is one of our main structural proteins in the body, and a decrease in elastin, which as the name implies is one of the more elastic or stretchy proteins that we have. And in general, we want our arteries to be elastic and stretchy. We want them to be able to expand under increased pressure and then recoil 
under decreased pressure. What happens though, especially in our aorta, which is our biggest artery that leads directly from the heart to supply the body, it runs down the middle of our body, is this increase in collagen and decrease in elastin makes our aorta quite stiff. And since the aorta is the first place that blood is pumped to, if it is stiff, the heart has to work against increased resistance, and that leads to an increase in blood pressure, and particularly systolic blood pressure, which is our top number on a blood pressure reading. So often... We think of a standard blood pressure as 120 over 80. The systolic would be the 120 in that number. And so as the aorta stiffens, blood pressure increases both because the artery itself can't expand in an elastic way and because the heart has to work harder to pump blood into that artery. We also have a condition that develops in many of our arteries called atherosclerosis. And this is where you may have heard of narrowing of the arteries or plaques forming in our arteries. The official condition name is atherosclerosis. And this can happen for a variety of reasons. So, in general, our arteries are highly adaptive, so they don't say the same shape and size all the time, which is really important for normal functioning of the body. So typically there's a process where they can dilate or expand, become looser. I like to think of them in this phase kind of like a garden hose, like a seeping one where the water kind of seeps out of it and it's very low pressure, that would be like our dilated artery, or they can be constricted like a tight, narrow garden hose. So in atherosclerosis, you have a decreased ability of the artery to dilate. So they stay narrower more of the time and don't fully relax. We also have an increase in clot formation. So clots are a normal and healthy part of our bodies. We need our blood to clot whenever there's an injury so that we don't lose all our blood every time we get hurt. But what can happen as we age is that we clot a little bit too quickly when it's not necessary. And clots like to form on jagged bits of arteries. And so if there's a little bit of texture in there, then the clot can form and become quite big. And that's the problem with plaques and arteries or one of them is there a jagged surface and then our blood clots around it further taking up space in the artery. We also have an increase in inflammation, as we've talked about throughout this series, or this concept of inflammaging, um, which can contribute to atherosclerosis as well. Another change we see in our vascular system, our blood vessel system, is that we start losing the ability to create new blood vessels as rapidly. 
and we need new blood vessels to repair injuries as well. Our vascular system is highly adaptive. So that's another change we have with age. Now in all of this, our blood pressure can change as well. So as we talked about before, we often see an increase in systolic blood pressure or the top number, and that can cause some strain on the heart because like we talked about with the aorta, the more pressure the heart has to pump against, the harder the heart has to work. And that can eventually lead to strain on the heart. We also often see with age a decrease in diastolic blood pressure. Now, diastolic is our bottom number. So again, if we think of the 120 over 80, the 80 would be the diastolic. And this is the pressure in the artery when the heart is relaxed. So when the heart is contracting, squeezing blood, that's our systolic blood pressure. When the heart is relaxed, filling with blood, that is our diastolic blood pressure. Now, the reason it can be problematic if our diastolic blood pressure is low is that the heart itself needs blood to function. It's a muscle that requires blood supply in order to work effectively. And that blood supply comes from the coronary arteries. And you've probably heard of them before because these are the arteries that are involved in heart attacks. They're the arteries that are involved in bypass surgery. And these arteries get their blood flow and supply the heart when the heart is relaxed or when it's in diastole. And so when the blood pressure is really low in diastole, often not enough blood gets to the heart muscle itself to feel it. And that can be a condition called myocardial ischemia. And that's another big medical term, but myo typically means muscle, cardial is the heart, so muscle of the heart. Ischemia would be insufficient blood supply. So what happens when the diastolic blood pressure is too low is we're not getting enough blood supply to the heart itself to do its job. Now, as you might be able to imagine, this can lead to some problems if we have an undernourished, undersupplied heart that's actually having to work harder against a higher systolic blood pressure. So we have this combination of an increased energy demand on the heart with a decreased supply of nourishment to the heart. And so if you think of any sort of machine or even any of your other muscles, if you keep putting more demand on them without giving them the fuel they need, it's eventually leads to failure. And that is part of what can cause heart failure with old age. Now, there are many causes of it. This is one cause more just related to blood pressure changes over time. There are other causes of heart failure. For example, if someone has previously had a heart attack, so one of those coronary arteries 
has become partially or fully blocked, if part of the heart muscle dies as a result of that heart attack, then that can also lead to heart failure because the heart muscle isn't working as efficiently as it did before, and it can lead to failure in that sense. There are other causes as well, but we'll leave it at those two for today. Another change I want to highlight with age that can happen to our hearts is that the calcium that we lose from our bones, if you think back to our, our second installment in the series where we're losing bone density, some of that calcium actually moves into the heart itself and that can cause rigidity within the heart and it can make the valves in particular less functional. So to summarize the cardiovascular system, we have increases in stiffness and decreased elasticity in our arteries. We have plaque and clot formation within some of our arteries as well. Inflammation is always a part of these aging topics. Um, we have an impaired ability to create new blood vessels. And a lot of these changes can result in an increase in our systolic blood pressure or a top number, decrease in diastolic blood pressure or our bottom number, which when all of that continues unchecked can lead to a situation of heart failure due to the heart needing to meet higher demands with less fuel or blood supply to do that. And then we also have calcium moving into the heart, causing increased rigidity in the structures. As we move on to our pulmonary system, our lungs, we see changes there as well. So when we think about breathing, there are two key functions that I like to think about. So one is the act of breathing itself. So the, the engagement of our muscles to bring air in and let air come out. That's often called ventilation. The other component is what happens inside the lung. So is the air actually passing between the borders of the lungs into the blood supply so that we're actually taking oxygen into our bodies and letting carbon dioxide go out of our bodies. That's called gas exchange. So we have changes to both functions of breathing, effective breathing as we age. So some of the changes to the ventilation component or that muscular component is that often our chest wall or our rib cage becomes stiff. And so the less flexibility we have there, the more force is needed to expand the rib cage to take a deep breath or to relax it to get air out again. We also have the muscles we use for breathing, like the muscles between our ribs. And we also have some other muscles that help with breathing, they can have decreased muscle mass and force. We can think back to 
part three of this discussion on the muscular system, where we often see a decrease in muscle mass and force um, that can impact breathing as well. Now, our diaphragm, which is the main muscle of breathing, is type one fibers, which tend to be more preserved with age. But our other breathing muscles, including our intercostal muscles and our other chest muscles that can help with breathing, tend to have more type two fibers, which are more susceptible to loss with age. Some changes that happen inside the lung itself affecting gas exchange is that we lose some elasticity of the lungs. We lose some surface area in the lungs too. So one of the big important things to efficient gas exchange is there has to be a very large surface area so that air can dissolve across the tissues and get into the bloodstream. So as we lose some of that surface area, it almost doesn't matter how much air we take in if it's not actually crossing into the body. Again, we see inflammation as an impact here as well, where the more inflamed the lung is, the harder it is to exchange gas across the lung as well. If we have scar tissue forming in the lungs, that also further makes it difficult to effectively exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide. Now, often there's an ability for the body to compensate for some of these changes by changing the breathing rate and the amount of air taken in during quiet breathing to compensate for these changes. It's when we can no longer compensate that we see some of the diseases coming up. We also see some changes in reflexes associated with breathing as we age too. So our cough reflex becomes depressed, which means we don't cough as readily as we might when we're younger. And this can be a problem if we are, we are starting to allow food to go into the lung instead of the stomach. And I will reference some episodes with speech language pathologists in the show notes where they can go more into talking about protecting the airway and safe swallowing. We also have decreased reflexes in response to not enough oxygen in the body or too much carbon dioxide in the body. And these come into play more in the the case of illness where a younger person might feel very symptomatic or start breathing rapidly, become very anxious when they're in a situation with low oxygen or too much carbon dioxide but an older person might not have the same symptoms developing and they might not, their body might not compensate for them as quickly. We also see with age increased incidence of sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea, which is where people periodically stop breathing during sleep. And again, that's thought to be due to some impaired reflexes in the nervous system. All right, so to summarize, 
the pulmonary system or lungs, we have changes in ventilation or the physical act of breathing itself, gas exchange, which is when we want the oxygen to go from air in the lungs to dissolved in our bloodstream, carbon dioxide to go from being dissolved in our bloodstream to breathe out through our lungs, and changes in reflexes that protect our airways and adapt when we have situations where our gases aren't equal <laughs> or aren't where they should be and that protect, keep us breathing while we sleep. So what can we do with all of these changes in both the cardiovascular and the respiratory systems? Now, one of the key targets for physical therapy, as well as any health promotion program for these systems is exercise. And that probably shouldn't come as a surprise by now, but it can impact blood pressure or regular aerobic exercise at a moderate level can reliably reduce systolic blood pressure. It can also improve ventilation or the active breathing, which can impact both systems positively. Resistance exercise is getting more of a focus lately for both systems as well for a couple different reasons. So one, if there's a person who is already pretty compromised in either the cardiovascular or the pulmonary system, where they have very low endurance, it's hard to breathe, it's hard to do anything. Sometimes doing strength training is actually less strain on those systems than doing aerobic training like walking. So it's one way to improve fitness without directly stressing the already impaired systems. The other benefit of doing strength training is that a more functional, a more robust musculoskeletal system reduces strain on the heart and lungs. So the idea is to make all the other systems as robust as possible so that the affected systems don't have to work so hard. And these are things we do routinely in physical therapy, especially those like me who are familiar with working with older adults who've done advanced training in this area. We know how to decide what's the right type of exercise at the right intensity, particularly when there's underlying issues to take into account. There are a number of specific breathing exercises as well to make the act of breathing more efficient. You can look at strengthening the muscles of respiration or your breathing muscles and improving flexibility in the rib cage as well to make breathing more efficient. From a health coaching standpoint, the goals are similar. Can also be added focus on reducing inflammation and also the behavioral component of it. So to see the real benefits to both the cardiovascular and the pulmonary systems with exercise, it requires 
committing to it really for a lifetime and making it a part of who you are. And that's something we can work on in coaching is figuring out how to make it a part of your life and how to build those habits so that you can improve those systems. If you would like to learn more about strategies for lowering your blood pressure without medication, I do have a course called 10 Ways to Lower Your Blood Pressure Naturally. This is one that I created specifically for non-healthcare providers for the public. So it uses language more similar to how we're doing on the podcast, and it goes into significant depth on these different strategies and what change in blood pressure you can expect from each of them. The link will be in the show notes, and it's also available at carolinemorris.com on the Learn With Me page. And again, if you are a therapy provider looking for continuing education credits, you can check out the version of these talks I did for Therapy Insights along with my colleague in the Modern Aging course. Thank you so much for joining me today for this discussion on the cardiovascular and pulmonary systems. I will have resources and articles linked for you in the show notes. And as a reminder, I put out episodes every other Monday on topics related to aging, improving healthcare, health behavior change, to make the process of aging and caring for those who are older a little less stressful, a little more informed, and hopefully something meaningful and worthwhile for you. Thank you, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline.